Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for reliability people to better themselves, both at work and at home. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, I welcome on Drew Welch from Resilient Reliability. We talk about how 39% of plants don't use a CMMS, why people using a paper system should move to a mobile solution, and why the excuses companies make to stay with a paper system aren't justifiable. If you haven't yet, check out my website, robsreliability.com. Sign up for the weekly reliability newsletter with some bonus content. And follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn. I've been putting out some memes lately. They've been pretty fun, so I hope you guys have enjoyed those. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, email me at robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Now, before we get into the episode, if you're looking for a mobile CMMS, I have a special offer from Upkeep. So let's hear it before we get into the show. And thanks for listening. Enjoy. Do you want a better reliability program? Do you want better data quality in your CMMS? Well, having frustrated and overworked shop floor people isn't the way to get that great reliability program. Often we make our mechanics, millwrights, and operators do paper rounds and then transcribe that information into a desktop CMMS. This causes more frustration and will likely lose data quality in that process. So why don't we try something different? Upkeep maintenance management is different. It's a mobile first CMMS that takes the work out of work orders with its easy to use mobile application. With a snap of a picture and just a few keystrokes on your mobile device, you can update work orders in a matter of seconds. Upkeep is a mobile first CMMS designed to be easy for your maintenance personnel. So easy, it was voted number one for ease of use by maintenance teams. Rob's Reliability Project has partnered with Upkeep to not only give you a great mobile first CMMS, but also if you purchase an annual subscription, you get one month free and a bonus one hour free coaching call with me. Make your reliability program better and make your text lives easier by going to robsreliability.com slash upkeep and sign up today. Hey guys, we're back and I'm here with Drew Welch today. Drew, how are you? I'm doing all right, Rob. Well, thanks for joining us on the show today. I guess you had a little adventure to watch some NFL football. How was that? Well, it was a blast. I got together with one of my uh, old-time buddies. We've known each other since high school, and we were on the phone, and it just seemed like the thing to do at the time. We, uh, we The game was in Tampa, and he lives about two hours from there. I'm over in Alabama, so I just drove down, picked him up, and we headed right on out. It was a good time. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you're in Alabama, are you an Alabama fan or Auburn? I am actually, uh, I went to, I'm a Marine brat that joined the Air Force, so I've lived just about everywhere. Uh, 
but I went to high school in Florida, so I'm actually a Florida State fan. Ah, well, hopefully they'll have a better year this year than last, but we'll see. <laughs> I hope so. Now, my wife is an Alabama fan, and uh, that's all we need to say about that. Yeah, the good times are rolling for her, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> She's enjoying football a lot more than I am right now. That's right. So, Drew, you're the senior consultant for Resilient Reliability, and if anyone's looking to check that out, they can go to resilientreliability.com. Now, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? How'd you get your start in maintenance and reliability? So I started off in maintenance when I was about 15 years old. My dad was a uh, aircraft mechanic. So first time I turned riches on anything, and obviously when I was younger, he'd show me on cars how to rebuild carburetors and things of that nature. But there's a lot more focus on reliability when you're in a plane than say do, working on an older car because you can't really pull over on a cloud. So I, I went from there, learned from him, joined the Air Force. Uh, after that, got out of the Air Force, moved on, worked in uh, several different factories, semiconductor, automotive, food, textile. Uh, it's been an interesting weave in between different positions as far as I started out in as a technician moved to planning, and then later on to maintenance management, where I am now. Along the way, I've got my CMRP, my CRL knocked out, several courses on training, and uh, a lot of concentration on maintenance. Absolutely. that's Yeah, that sounds good. And I guess we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of this one, I get this question a lot about the CMRP. Do you have any top tips for CMRP preparation that you want to share with people? I read several of the books they have on the list. And if you're a SRMRP member, they've got the metrics and the best practices. You can download and read through those. Uh, Ramesh Galati's book, uh, Maintenance Reliability and Best Practices, uh, is really good and covers a lot of it also. Yeah, I'm a fan of that book. I've read it. And then there's also actually, just so people know, because I've um, Bill Bell actually put me onto this. There's there's probably three or four apps on the App Store, whether you have a Google phone or you have an Apple phone, that you can get free practice questions for the CMRP. And it's actually it's it's run by this company out of Fort McMurray. So if you guys are looking for those, just check your App Store. Just Google like CMRP practice quiz or something, and you'll get probably three or four of them. They're pretty useful. Yes, actually, I, I uh, now that you mention it, I did also use those apps right before I studied just to kind of get a feel for where I was at. And there's actually, if you go in there, there's like three practice quizzes, 10 apiece. But then you can spend, I want to say it was like 10 bucks and get access to even to an extra 50 questions. And then there's another one that gives you access to, I want to say, another 50 questions as well. Yeah, and, and it's just something for me... When I like to prep for exams, I'm all about the questions. It's 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 for me it's reps. It's like it's like playing sports, right? You just you want to rep out questions so you get a feel for the exam and something I always talk about with this exam is read the question, read the answer, read the question again and then pick something because most of the time you'll know what the answer is, but it is they do have some tricky wording sometimes, so just make sure you're on top of that. Yeah, the phrases that they, they, some of the phrases they used too, you, you you were able to figure out, but it wasn't 
phrased the exact same way as you're used to seeing it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and to me, it's sometimes it's a wording thing, not necessarily a knowledge thing. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. So, Drew, this one, you know, I, I was excited when you when you sent me an email, I was excited to talk about this one. So you, you reached out and you wanted to talk about CMMS implementation in the real world. And you said, quote, why we still want to talk or sorry, why we want to use pigeons for messaging in manufacturing maintenance. And, you know, it's one thing that I often joke about. I, I probably even said something similar to that on the on the podcast with Ryan Chan. And, you know, for me, I've seen different things, a few pivotal moments, I guess, throughout my career that that I kind of look back at and make fun of are in, I think it was 2011, 2012, I went to a conference with a company in mining and their big innovation was they bought a software that would read the handwritings on a piece of, on like the work order papers and import that into the CMMS. And the other one was last year in 2018, I went to a site and they were using an an MS-DOS version of a CMMS, which I don't even know how you can buy a computer that runs MS-DOS anymore, but either either way, it's pretty funny. So that's that's impressive. I know, right? And like I've seen, you know, the mobile apps, I've seen kind of that range, right? So MS-DOS to people who are using you know, intrinsically safe tablets. So I guess, you know, let's talk about it. Like, where do you see, like, what do you mean when you say we want to stay kind of using pigeons and we want to use paper work orders? Well, I think, and when I mentioned the pigeon thing, that is something I heard from you. And by the way, thanks for replying to my facts on that and sending over the carrier pigeon. (laughs) I, I think in a lot of cases, maintenance, we all, we tend to get away with a little more because it is such a specialized field that for instance, if you had an accountant and you were hiring a new accountant, the accountant said, well, I'm not going to use any software to do any of my accounting. We're going to do it all by hand. And that's just the way we're going to do it. You wouldn't hire the accountant or if the accountant was still at the company. And this is most companies, not all, you know, I'm sure you have some smaller companies that do that you would go through and train the accountant on how to use the system. You wouldn't just accept the fact that, no, we've got to make the system work for the person. You do some of that, but at the end of the day, it's 2019. We have to move at the pace we have. I I haven't ordered a pizza by actually going to a phone book and using a landline in 10 years. I just get on the computer on my app and get it on order. In maintenance, we tend to not do that as much. And I'll get into numbers in a minute about it. But I think in a lot of cases, maintenance doesn't benchmark like a lot of other industries do. And part of that is because it's not as easy. So if you want to benchmark in maintenance, you've got to actually physically go out and look at another plant. And you've got to schedule time to do that. You've got to be a member of SMRP. If you want to figure out what other people are doing in just about any other industry, what banks are doing. You go and look, you see everybody at the banks on the computer. It's not that hard to figure out everybody's using computers, but for whatever reason, we decide not to in maintenance. 
Uh, we want to use these paperwork orders, these systems that are just antiquated and cannot track and update things real time. And it's just one of those things I find really interesting when you look. And part of it is when you look at the average maintenance shop, it has 29 people. So, and then you look at the average experience levels. Uh, those in management, the average uh, experience in a management role in maintenance is 23 years. 34% of those have more than 30 and 9% have over 40 years experience. So they're not as exposed to the technology and haven't been exposed naturally. So then you're bringing in newer, the newer generation. They're looking and saying, why are we doing this? And we're explaining this is the way we do it. And then we can't understand why they don't get it or find the interest in maintenance that they could, if that, if that makes sense. I guess, you know, I've heard some of that pushback, right? And some of the pushback I've heard is like, well, we've always done it this way and paper works for us and that type of thing. And to me, I don't necessarily buy that. Like my, my opinion is, and maybe I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit, but my opinion is every one of your maintenance guys, regardless if they're 60 years old or they're you know 18, they're going to have a smartphone and they're going to be using technology all like in all parts of their life. Like they'll have a TV, they'll be using internet, they'll be using smartphones or tablets. So this, this notion that just because the guys worked in maintenance for 30 years, it's like, it's to me, I, I still see that there is a spot for mobile first or at least mobile friendly CMMS. I, I agree a hundred percent. If if you're using if you're using a paper system, I guarantee you, you cannot walk up to every technician there and say, "What is your number one failure code right now today?" And has it been the same failure code for the last six months? What you have is if you're on a mobile device, they could just go to the dashboard. They have the answer right there. If not, they've got a wait till somebody tells them what it is because somebody's had to parse through all that data. Why would you pick a system that's that requires that much? And quite frankly, in the lean environments we fight today, you need the automation to assist you. You need to, okay, what is my most overdue PM right now? I don't want to have to thumb through 15 different PMs or look at 20 different boards to figure out what that is. I want to click a button and see, this is my most overdue one. Okay, that, that equipment just failed. When was the last time we PM'd it? I need to know immediately. I don't need to know three days later because we need to figure out, okay, did our process fail? Did the equipment fail? Or did we as an organization fail? Absolutely. And I, I think the other thing that's nice about having these mobile first or tablet friendly CMMSs, it's, it's the ability to take pictures on the tablet or on the phone and and also join that with the work order, which is something that's just not possible in a paper form. Absolutely. And I've had those conversations. Anybody who's been in maintenance has had those conversations where you're trying to explain something to someone and they're saying, oh, it did this. And you're saying, no, that's not what it did. Well, 
instead of having to talk for an extended amount of time, you take a picture of it. It's doing this. You send it to the engineer. The engineer looks at it and asks you to check this or brings this or that up. But you've got that option there to communicate quickly. And so why do you think there's so much pushback from management? Like, I don't think it's it's a cost thing. I think it's there's got to be something else to it. Like, where do you see that pushback coming from? Well, for starters, let's look at the fact that, you know, that these computers are just a fad. But beyond that point, <laughs> <laughs> six, 61% of plants use a CMMS according to a study from plant engineering. That means 39% don't. <laughs> 40% of the plants out there nearly do not use a computerized maintenance system. They are using either something manual, and I would venture to say in most cases, I, I don't have any data to back this up, but I would say in a good chunk of cases at least, they're really not tracking their day, where they're spending their day-to-day time. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, for for sure. I even see that with people who have CMMS systems, is they don't necessarily like they'll issue work orders. One site I went to, they were issuing like twelve-hour work orders for filter changes that would take you know under thirty minutes, and then the rest of the time was free to you know do whatever maintenance they felt like to meet the requirements for management. I'm sure. <laughs> you will have every minute tracked. Well, you got to hit that schedule compliance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you when you tie that to the bonus rather than something a little more realistic, that's what you end up with, right? And if you're still doing PMs and the equipment's still failing, why are you doing PMs? That's yeah. That's that's true, and that's actually you know something I talked about with Lowane Smith when we recorded last week was. He was looking at some of his equipment at KUMC and they're having failures on it and they're doing PMs. And he was asking me, he was like, well, we're sort of running these to failure anyways. And these PMs are virtually like they're not really working. So what if I just decided to make it run to failure and got rid of the PMs? And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Like the consequence for failing those units is not much. And so you should be applying a run to failure in that strategy, right? Absolutely. I, I think run to fail as far as part of a strategy gets knocked a lot. But if you don't really understand your assist system and your equipment, you're running to fail and you just don't know it. Because what happens when you have a relay go out? It's going to be run to fail. I don't personally know of any way to check relays. Or if you swap them out in a certain amount of time, it, it's so random that they fail. You're just swapping out parts to swap out parts. When you're letting the equipment that is not a priority be dictated PMs over your equipment that is a priority, then you're not concentrating on the right, the priorities of the plant. That's right. And the big thing for me that I always emphasize is Run to failure is a valid strategy if you consciously made the decision beforehand. And you have to be looking at, you know, what's the impact of failure? You know, do I, do I want to mitigate that failure consequence by, 
either having redundancy or having spares or that type of thing. But you have to make that decision before, not just like, oh, it's broken. Well, we decided to run that to failure. That's a separate thing entirely. <laughs> Active versus proactive, exactly. Correct. So when you talk a little bit about CMMS implementation in the real world, like what are some of these companies missing when we're trying to implement, like let's say we're trying to implement a mobile first CMMS, like what should we be doing? Okay, uh, first off, uh, before we get into implementing, uh, one thing I would like to clear up is you, we use the term CMMS, EAM, APM, and all of them are essentially the same thing. EAM tends to be a little more tied to an ERP system, but in general, they're all the same thing. Now, as far as looking at a mobile first system, one of the, I think, first and foremost is your feedback loop. If your feedback loop is not getting back to one, the people putting the work orders in and two, the people, the work orders putting the work orders in are not able to feed up the chain, what problems they're having, you're setting yourself up for failure right from the beginning. When you add to that, not understanding costs and not prioritizing how you're going to run the CMMS and using the CMMS as the tool it's intended for. Because at the end of the day, CMMS, CMMS is a tool. It's just as useless as a hammer if you're trying to change a tire. So when we talk a little bit about CMMS implementation in the real world, like where should people start? Like what is a good real world CMMS implementation? Like what does it look like? Okay. Uh, the first part of that would be that everybody understands some of the basic concepts. That's where a lot of times you fail right off the bat. People don't understand really what the savings are or what a CMMS does if they haven't used one or seen one used appropriately in over 10 years. So what you want to do is you want to start out, get everybody in the same room, and write up exactly what you want out of the CMMS. Because saying we're going to install a CMMS is not the same as saying here's what we need this CMMS to do to meet the needs of the organization and therefore meet the needs of the maintenance team. And a lot of times those two are a little different and you run into a CMMS that they want to install because corporate told them to. But the problem with that is there's no buy-in because there's no value for the maintenance organization. So they're going to do the bare minimum. Like you discussed earlier, I've got to do this and I've got to make sure everybody has 12 hours worth of work and nobody's explained to me why. So I'm going to make a 12-hour filter change make that work. Whereas it, when you're leveraging a CMMS properly, you're able to catch all your data. You're able to see, okay, what parts were checked out against this work order? Okay, now I'm able to trend. What part do I have failing the most in my plan? Okay, why is this part failing? Do we need higher quality? And that's how you can start getting to the bottom of the data and start doing the RCAs and things of that nature with actual data rather than thoughts and opinions. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's where the value of good CMMS is. Like, obviously, there's planning and scheduling value where you can increase efficiency. But the big stuff for me, as obviously sitting there as a reliability engineer, I want to really dive into kind of the stuff we talked about with John Reeve, which is the failure codes, diving into the data, the bad actors list, and really figuring out how I can 
improve the value of my plant. Absolutely. And there's two sides to that, and that's where the feedback loops become really important. There's the people putting the information in and the people who are getting the information out. And each needs to know what the other one's dealing with. Because it's unrealistic. Okay, let's say guys normally works a 12-hour shift. It's right before vacation. Something went down, but there's nobody coming in behind him. He wants to make sure the problem's fixed. Okay, so he works an extra hour over. He's probably not going to give you the best notes. But if he gives you some notes, and it's already ingrained that before you leave, you have to finish your work orders, and you've got the failure codes already set up for him to select, and then he explains just really quickly what happened. You've got the data you need, and then you already have the parts attached because he had to have the work order to get the part. So now you can go back and delve back into that data later. You all, you don't want to make it such a hassle, though, that the work order takes so long to fill out that people just don't want to fill in anything else additional because it took them forever to get it in. Uh, I think to put in a work order should take less than 30 seconds. To answer a basic work order, 30 seconds to a minute. If it's taking you longer than that, you're, you're not going to get the buy-in you're wanting. People will do it, but it, the harder you make it, the less data you get. The more data you get, the more you can actually do with the data. Oh, I, yeah. And, I, you know, something I've been really thinking about lately is why is reliability people why are we okay with a lot of our projects making our like our shop floors people's lives harder before they make it easier? Like, why do we think that that's okay? I think we think that that's okay because we're not the ones putting in the work. And that's where the feedback loop's really important. You know, you go in, you install this awesome CMMS system, and you're getting this data, and to the person on the floor, all they've done is added one extra step to their day because they can't just go get the part and fix it. They don't see the end goal. And I think that's where you have to have training at the beginning so everybody understands where you're going. And really, you even need an SOP everybody's agreed on so everybody understands everybody's responsibility and then how you want to use the system. Because Ramesh Galati, prime example, the uh, maintenance and reliability best practices points out that most CMMS systems are at best using about 50% of the features. Now, obviously you don't want to set a goal to use 100% of the features because it may not work for your particular plant, but the odds are if you had a plan, you'd probably be at least closer to 60 or 70%. <laughs> well, you know, you know what they say, hope is not a plan, so... <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of maintenance organizations get themselves in trouble is they have a hope of installing a CMMS, a hope for reliability, but they don't have a plan for either of those. So what does that plan look like? Like that plan for CMMS, like using a good CMMS, like what? how would you set that up or what does that include? So for starters, you want to look at what you need. First and foremost, because if, it, if it's not going to fulfill what you your particular organization needs to do, then it's not really what you, you're going to want to spend your time on. There are so many different options out there. You've got over 100 different CMMSs. So figure out what you want out of the CMMS and then start looking at the different providers that can give it to you. But one of the big things that I think a lot of organizations miss is the CMMS salesperson that's giving you the information 
is most likely really good at software or really good at selling. They're not really good at setting up a reliable plan. And that's really where you, where you need a CMMS champion that's actually bought in. If you don't have that, and if you don't have your CMMS champion, you do not have leadership involvement and the want from leadership to get it done, and you don't have a plan, it will almost certainly fail. And to me, you know, that's the same as every reliability project, whether that's on RCM, root cause analysis, or even some of this new stuff we've been talking about with artificial intelligence. Like, to me, that whole project execution, bringing in people who are management, shop floor, you know, the cross-functional team, the culture, the buy-in, all of these apply to literally everything we do. Absolutely. And really, that's all CMMS is. CMMS is a means to an end. It's a more effective means to that end, but it won't fix basic problems. If you've got a toxic shop where the people don't talk to each other, if you've got silos where the people just absolutely will not share those information, you're, you're not going to get around that by installing CMMS. Depending on how you're trying to use it, if you're trying to use it to cover up all your other problems rather than streamline and correct your problems, all, a CMMS is no different than using a hammer to change a tire. It's not going to work. No, I, I agree 100%. And I think that it's something that, you know, sometimes I see this as a common thing is is some plants or sites they'll go to some conferences and they'll talk to people who are, you know, all in on planning and scheduling or CMMS and using CMMS to optimize planning and scheduling. And they kind of think that that's going to solve all their problems in reliability. And I don't know how they how people have been convinced that planning and scheduling does solve reliability problems other than obviously it, it increases efficiency. In theory, your job should get more uh, repetitive and like consistent. But I don't know where, where it came from where it's like planning and scheduling is the first step to reliability. I, I don't know exactly exactly that either but what i do know is until you have your planning and your scheduling and you're doing the proper tracking it's a lot harder to get to the actual reliability issues in order to deal with them uh, we had an issue at one of the plants i worked at uh, where i was a planner and you were able to trend and see the data that every time we came up for a pm this one and several lines had the same type of equipment and it was hit or miss whether it would fail. So we got together, we devised a plan, had the exact same people doing it each time, following the exact same procedure. And the only thing we managed to do is cause it to fail every single time we came up from PM. <laughs> Which at the time was really frustrating. But as we look back, it was good because, okay, now we had a repeatable process and we were able to get to the root cause. But if we didn't have that data for maintenance and planning to begin with, we wouldn't have had anything to go after. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, you know, one question I have for you here is, you know, we often talk about that data and we say that, or, you know, a lot of people say that if we have a mobile CMMS, that people are more likely to put that data in. Do you think that one, that's the case and the other kind of part of this question is, if not, how do we get that data entry? How do we make sure the data is going into the CMMS? I personally don't think there's 
a better solution than a mobile solution, if at all possible. Obviously, you've got a building where, uh, I don't know, perhaps you come from the mining world. Maybe it's so low you really, the Wi-Fi is too expensive to set up at those levels or something along those lines. But being right there at the equipment, being able to write your notes right then and streamlining them, that, that's the most efficient way to do it. And now we've you've got these uh, young men graduating college. They want to get into manufacturing. You're bringing them in, and they're looking at it and they're saying, you want me to fill out a piece of paper? <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're probably wondering, you know, is that – what's a file cabinet? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just things have changed, you know? Why – you know, why aren't we – recording with VHS tapes and, you know, using that as part of our training procedure. I have seen some safety videos that are still on, on VHS tapes. So we are doing that too. <laughs> I, I've seen a few, but hopefully nobody's still creating them on VHS. That's right. No, I mean, I definitely agree. And I think that, you know, I, so I've seen kind of two sides of the coin, right? So sometimes people say, you know, it's Wi-Fi accessibility. That's what's holding us back. But to be honest, a lot of the platforms that are mobile first, they do have capabilities where they'll save to your hard drive locally on the phone or on the tablet. And then when you're back in, you know, Wi-Fi or data capability, it'll automatically upload. So that to me is not an excuse, but I hear it often. The other thing I hear is, well, we're, you know, intrinsically safe. And so we can have devices that are able to go into the plant or, you know, that. Now, yeah, yeah, for sure, you definitely have to conform to that. I'm not saying, like, bring your regular phone into a plant, but you can buy intrinsically safe. They're not class one div one, but they're class one div two devices or you can I've been to a site they bought regular Samsung tablets and then they had them fitted to make them intrinsically safe like I, I think it costs a couple thousand dollars but it is possible when you look at and this is really where people need to understand the lean culture the first thing you should be doing is when you're looking at installing a CMMS is having somebody walk you through what each day looks like Follow a technician around for four or five hours. How long does it take them to get apart? What efficiencies can you fix that will save the company money and allow them to do their job easier? When you're doing both of those, you'll get to that end result. But I think in a lot of cases, there's just such a resistance to change. You find those lame excuses, which is what they are, to why you still need paper. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that it's that resistance to change that I, I I really, this is one thing that I've even been struggling just personally, not even talking about plants and, and organizations, but how do you trigger change? It's a question that I've really been struggling with. And I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that, Drew? I think in a lot of cases, uh, th there's different things that can help trigger change. But I think for a lot of organizations, until it becomes a pain point, there, there really isn't that trigger. Now, once they run into a situation where one of the major customers walks in, you know, and asks them to walk them through their maintenance process and starts seeing the paper and starts asking the questions and really is not happy with that process, 
that's when the change starts jump start. Now, I think the other thing is bringing in fresh people, fresh set of eyes. I, I think it's really a good thing. I know some people would disagree with me to work in more than one industry. So you've seen things a different way. And I honestly, for the most part, and in some ways it's a shame, but the days of working at a plant for 40 years straight are, they're few and far between. So you're good to get a good set of eyes. And plus that person comes in with new perspectives and can say, well, if we just did this, it'd be easier. But when you have that management at the top who has been there 20, 30, 40 years, or even in some cases 10, well, we've been doing this this way for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We shouldn't have to change. But if you own the company, you would probably have a different opinion on changing. A lot of it is just trying to stay where, the, where you're at and not being uncomfortable enough to force the change. Because change is uncomfortable. And yeah, and that's the thing. You just got to step out of that change and... I guess, I guess, as the you know the Alcoholics Anonymous and the drug, the drug users Anonymous say, you got to hit rock bottom. So, <laughs> yep. Well, I was even. I mean, I to an extent, I even struggle with certain changes myself. I was thinking about it on the way home that I haven't really used Google Assistant enough. You know, I was like, well, I could kind of think through some things and make some mental notes. I wish there was a way to do that. But I haven't really tried to use Google Assistant to see if there is a way I can do that. Whereas my daughter, for instance, you know, as you're younger, you're changing on a regular basis. She wants, she's doing her reading and she wants to read some of it aloud. So she's putting it in Google Translate and it's reading it back to her. Yeah, it's 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 a wonder actually the generations, right, is I have some, I guess, nieces and nephews and they're, you know, they're two and a half right now and they talk to Alexa and it's, you know, and they can't handwrite, but they can talk to Alexa. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, every once in a while, I'll run into something with my kids and I'm trying to do something on the phone with a smart TV. And they're like, just just hand it to me. Just stop. <laughs> so I guess we got a couple more questions before we get you out of here. The first one I got for you. What are some common mistakes that you see people make when either implementing or using a CMMS? Like, what are some of those common mistakes and how can we avoid making those mistakes? First, I'd say the feedback loop. And the feedback loop's actually a really easy one to solve. Go down there, talk to the people using it, ask them what's going on. You'll find out things like, oh, we don't have good Wi-Fi and these, all these dead spots, but yet we're set up to have to need Wi-Fi. Uh, that would be a big one because uh, the people stuff like we've ta- touched on multiple times is probably the hardest. I would say the next would be not having the plan, not having the management buy-in. If management isn't bought in, nobody's bought in. You can't – you should be able to drive reliability from the bottom, but you can't because the people on top are stomping it down. That's really where a lot of programs fail. Have your SOP ready to go. When you sit down, figure out what you're doing. Don't count on just the the organization helping you out to their their computer people. They're going to help you to the best of their ability, but at the end of the day, you're just a client. You know what you need, but you need to know how to implement it. I really suggest one of the best things you can do is 
read a, read a book or two on it. Reliability Web has a couple out. Uh, they're not as in-depth as you'd kind of like to see, but it's a good roadmap to get you started and get you thinking what you need. So before you even go talk to the CMMS providers, you can say, here's what I need. How would all this work as you're shopping for the new system? Yeah, no, that's a great tip. And, and I do think if you guys are looking for some people who put out some good CMMS content, check out John Reeve on LinkedIn. He puts out an article at least once a month, if not more often than that. And he is he's really good on the CMMS side. So check him out or even just shoot him a message. John Reeves is really good. I actually, I got his book here in front of me, Failure Modes to Failure Codes. And that, that's one of the ones I've referenced as far as reliability web that at least gives you a breakdown of how to start. Yep, absolutely. Now, Drew, last question I got for you here. What are some of your top tips for CMMS implementation, or if you want to go more broadly, just reliability in general? Start with the end in mind. I think that's everybody's top tip would be have your plan go after it, number one. Number two, don't get so caught up in the granular details that you're, you start chasing your tail and you're having these long drawn out. You got to set a time limit on the meetings and exactly what you cover. Okay, at about 15 minutes, we need to stop and move on to the next part of this as you're planning the implementation. Because if not, you catch yourself talking about well, I, somebody saying along the lines of, well, I want to see real world this second what the contract cost is for each contractor right immediately. Whereas if you look at what the systems that are currently in place, that's great that you want that. But the current system you have in place you don't even know what you spent last month. <laughs> it just goes into a different bucket. So that's really one of the big ones. Don't get caught up in the details. Yeah, that's a great tip. You know, last one, this is my one of my favorite questions because I like to see how people look forward into the future and where kind of everyone's head, heads at. So where do you see the future of reliability going in the next two to five years? I don't see as much of a jump the next two to five years as the next 10 to 15. Cause I think AI will go how big industry goes and big industry is going industry 4.0. So the more robots, cobots, things of that nature you see installed, the more data that's going to be out there. And that's really where AI is strong. Uh, AI and smaller organizations, not quite as much. And really, I think AI is almost a mi a misnomenclature. I think something like enhanced data mining, computer enhanced data mining, or something along those lines would almost be better because at the end of the day, it is an algorithm. It needs to be pointing in the right direction. And then once it has enough data, it can really get something back for you. But until you are feeding it enough data, the AI can't do a lot. And a lot of organizations, like we've already discussed, 40% of organizations don't have a CMMS. So there's no data in there. So there's nothing for the AI to look at. You can solve any algorithm you want to look at zero data. You have to have your data and it's got to be computerized in order to let the machines do what they're supposed to do. But I think it's, you look 10 to 15 years, it's going to be like Blockbuster and Netflix. Blockbuster says, it's not a thing. Well, they're out of business now, and Netflix is a provider. 
So, Drew, I want to, you know, I want to thank you for coming on. I, I had a fun interview today, and so I want to thank you for spending your Sunday with us. Now, do you have anything to plug? Like, obviously, people, they should check out ResilientReliability.com. Now, do you have anything else? Are you going to be at any conferences? Should they follow you on LinkedIn? Like, give us the spiel. Okay, I don't have any conferences currently scheduled. Uh, if you're looking for me online, uh, LinkedIn.com would be the number one to find me at. Uh, if you remember SMRP, the All Members Open Forum, I'm usually in there. Uh, I am toying around with the idea of doing a CMMS set centric or industry 4.0 centric podcast or youtube channel but i haven't quite made the jump yet but i'll be keeping things updated when i do <laughs> no that would be cool if you did one yeah it'd be interesting i i think there's a lot of niches that kind of need a little more attention and we put everything under this huge umbrella of reliability and really there's you know prime example cmms is just one little blip in reliability, but it's a huge blip. No, no different than, you know, precision maintenance is a huge part of it, but it all falls under this one big giant and nothing really gets the concentration it needs because you can't go and just concentrate on that. So Drew, uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I, I really enjoyed this. It, it was good to talk about something I'm passionate about. And it's good we had a time limit because I could talk about it all day. <laughs> no, I mean, we'll definitely have to do another one coming up. I think that, I mean, obviously, as you said, you know, it's like reliability. We have this huge umbrella and that's, you know, for me, it's been fun because I get to, I, I like to talk about different things, but having CMMS implementation or just CMMS in general, we can dive really deep. And I think that, you know, we definitely have to spend some more time on this show on it. Drew, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who's still listening. And we'll see you all next week.